but I went to go see um, a barbarian with my boyfriend on Sunday uh, yesterday because it was rainy and gross. And I, I'm, I do like scary movies, but I really don't like gross out stuff. Uh, so for a split second, I was like, can we go see the League of Super Pets instead? But no, I, I decided to stick it out and go see the, the scary movie. Did you cry? Was it gory? It was. It was. Okay. Yeah. Um, I actually don't mind a bit of gore. So this sounds kind of up my alley, perhaps. I, I, would I highly honestly recommend- don't mind a bit of gore. The story of the 2022 Mets in September. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah. yeah. There's like one scene near the end where especially if uh you if, if you especially get grossed out by gore that involves the eyes. Oh no no, mm. no, 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 no. Um there is a my favorite movie is Suspiria um directed by what is his name? I know it but I'm stoned, you know. Um Yeah, it's Dario Argento. He also directed this movie, Opera. Um, and I went on this kick of watching his other movies because I love Suspiria. And Opera has some eye situation going on, and it really did freak me out. So, good to know. I'm not above going like this. Yeah. <laughs> Putting my hands over my eyes, my own eyes. Yeah, that even when I went to see Doctor Strange in the movie theater, even that I was like, oh, was not expected. Like, I expected like Marvel, like, you know, violence, like fake, you know. And I was like, no, 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 unnecessary. <laughs> what? I, is that gory? It was. Wow. Um, I, I just saw that too, and I know what you're talking about. I, I was like really surprised how violent it was for a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was not prepared going in whatsoever for that. And I was like, again, yeah, there are a couple of scenes where I was like, oh no. And yeah. like, like it was a superhero movie. And you yeah, know, it was, it, yeah. it was, took a turn I was not expecting. Uh, no spoilers, but uh, someone gets like pretty much like cut in half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, what the hell? <laughs> And you're like not prepared for it either. I was, I, I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, I, mean, I was just yeah. petting a dog at the Mets game, and now I'm talking, listening to talk about gouging out eyes or whatever. Being chopped in half. Yeah, I think we're all in a bit of a morbid mood after um, that shit show that was the Mets playing the Cubs. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's just, we'll set the scene. It's Monday night. This is Will's Pod 18. I'm Jesse. We've got Addie. We've got Janice. We've got Linda. Uh, and the Mets, yeah, sucked big time tonight, so we're not going to talk about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ninth inning was terrible, just mainly because, it's like, I, I mean, I, I feel as if false hope is the worst thing that, like, anyone, yeah. especially during a baseball game. Uh, Lindor Homer ruled that that was that was very cool. Oh, I miss a Lindor Homer. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did too, actually. I, I kind of looked away, and all of a sudden, like, the score was 2-5, and so I, I caught up a little bit, and I was like, okay, uh, I missed a Lindor Homer, apparently. But, but yeah, uh, I, I think that that eighth inning was probably the most frustrating, though. Okay, I didn't have the game on. Um, because I was working a little late, and then the game had already started, and then they were already losing, and I was like... <laughs> 
I watch a lot of Mets games. Like, I don't know if I want to finish my work day and turn on the Mets losing. <laughs> so I like made dinner and then our chat for this podcast started to be like, oh, folks, the Mets are doing something. So I turned it on, bases loaded, <laughs> no one out, bottom of the eighth inning. And they did not score. And I turned that shit right back off. <laughs> but then, of course, they had to do, like, weirdness in between oh, everything. of course. Like, of course. They, they had a pinch run with Givens. They had to – some other weirdness happened. It's already they give. They, like, gave up the DH. And I had what? this, like – Is that really the worst thing right now? This was I like mean, this, this was really the most cursed game because like you were yeah. you were jinxing it, watching it. Uh, they all they immediately got better once I had left the stadium and like they first got better when Danielle left, and then they got considerably better when I left. Um, Danielle was on, and then I turned it on, um, which will be at some point this week. We have a lot of podcasts this week, um, which is cool. So you can hear all about um, me petting dogs and Danielle petting her dog. Uh, it was a great I always podcast. love hearing about I have dogs. no idea how uh, petting dogs comes across on audio. It's a lot of us saying, like, petting the dog is so nice when the Mets are losing because you're just petting <laughs> a dog. Um, it's fine to think them bringing out Shay was like the smartest thing they could have done because petting a dog during a loss doesn't really make like your day wasn't totally wasted at that point. Like you got to snuggle a puppy. Uh, Shay is the Mets dog, right? Yes. yes. Just, he's just a dog that just like, like d- d- does he live at the stadium? D- 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 does he just come out? Like he's whenever- like the phantom of the opera of city. As far as I know, he does not live at City Field, but like he's a therapy dog in training. Could he canonically be Mrs. Met's dog? Can can we give? Yeah, family right there. But he's gotten so big. I saw him back in April, and he was a little guy then. And now when they showed him, like, how is that Shay? He's not a puppy anymore. (laughs) Did you meet Shay tonight, Jesse? No, I was delayed in getting to the game, um, but I did meet several very good dogs. It, I want to know about the dogs you met. Um, there were some small fluffy ones, and there were some uh, bigger kind of hairier ones. Brandy, Danielle's dog, um, is a mix, and um, she's big. She's like 60 pounds, short hair, but very lustrous, very smooth, you know, the kind of velvety dog hair that, that you get with those short hair kind of dogs. Um, my dog, Yuppie, did not go to the game. He's a he's a little fluff ball, and he's right here um, giving himself his continued manicure. People on the street comment about him having, like, the, he's, he's white with, like, you know, some tan splotches, but he's got dark brown paws, um, which are not his natural color. It's because he licks them all the damn time. Um, so... It from Bella, our old cat, and um, he's he's kind of a monkey see, monkey do kind of dog that way. Like he learned how to be scared of things from um, my mother in law's old dog. Um, he's a sweetheart. So yeah, dogs are awesome, and cats are good too. Like I I don't know how like Keith Hernandez felt about Bark at the Park night. Um, he was talking about Haji today about how Haji missed him. 
from the road trip, and Haji wouldn't let him go to bed for an hour after he got home last oh, night because Haji loves snuggles. <laughs> and then Gary said his girls woke him up in the morning when they realized he was home from the road trip. So we did. We did, we got a full breakdown of the pets from Gary and Keith today. And also a good day because I was on the seven train this morning and like here, like also like, I hear Gary Cohen's voice talking about Al Jackson. And indeed, uh, at Vernon Jackson, Gary Cohen has a recorded announcement to tell you about Al Jackson's contributions with the Mets in, in the old days. Um, I'm going to have to ride a seven local from end to end just to like take this all in, um, especially now that it's like part of my job freaking awesome um i love this so much it's but what i I wanted to ask you about this addy because tonight like you know the mets at the games have um is it like a t-shirt that they launch into the apple i so somebody a fan launches a t-shirt and they launch it from like the right field stands and try to get it into the apple um and if they get it they win a prize nobody ever gets it Tonight, some lady got it. Whoa. Um, she got it in the apple. I had never seen it. Danielle had never seen it. I've seen one person get it. And then, and it's Bark at the Park night, and the stolen base kid, like, like set the season mark in September. 14.2. Like, he blew it away. He was also a way bigger Holy kid. Holy shit. Oh. But, like, he did that outfield there and back dash in 14.2. Dang. And, like, everything was, like, set up except that Chris Bassett was giving up rockets all over the <laughs> So the fans were performing better than the players on the field is what I'm hearing. It was like the old days. And what I wanted to ask was, it was, Addie, because we've talked a little bit about astrology on here before. Um, I did read about Mercury going into retrograde, and I'm curious yes. if it has an effect on what has been a really good Mets season. I'm kind of fucking freaked out now. Okay, look, I have a lot of thoughts about Mercury retrograde. This is not the first time that Mercury has been in retrograde this season. Um, let's see. When was the last well, Kino exact was into date? that a couple years ago, wasn't he? He mentioned Mercury in retrograde. So here's the thing, folks. Um, yeah, Pete Alonso and I live on a very similar vibrational plane sometimes. <laughs> um, the last Mercury retrograde was from May 10th to June 2nd. What was the Mets record May 10th to June 2nd? Let's let's do some, you know, scientific analysis here. Wasn't that when all Mets- their, their injuries started piling up? Wasn't that when Scherzer got hurt? Oh, my God. You might be right. All right. Let's see. Mets record. May 2022. So what did I say? May 10th to June 2nd? On May 10th, the Mets beat the Nationals to go to 21-10 and 10 and a seven-game lead in the East. Okay. And where are we taking that down through? June through 2nd. June 2nd. Okay, so May 10th through June 2nd. Uh, June 2nd, the Mets lost 2-0 to the Dodgers. Uh, they fell to 35 and 18, and their lead was cut to half. But that means that over the course of the retrograde, uh, their lead went, if uh, I guess they started off actually uh, the day before, would have been. Um, 
So they were 20 and 10 at the start with a six game lead and ended at uh, 35 and 18. So that's uh, 14 and eight and added to their lead uh, by three games in the division. Mm-hmm. 15 yep. and eight, I should say. Looks like Scherzer had three starts during that time period. Uh, let's see. You said uh, J- May May 10th through June 8th, or am I just... June se- May like 10th May through June 2nd. is when Scherzer got the injury. Oh, mm-hmm. that day. Interesting. I could have sworn there was somebody else who got hurt. Was it McGill or Carrasco? Oh, yeah, there is somebody else right around that time, isn't there? So here's, okay, so here's the thing. Well, they did have a game winning streak during that stretch, which was at that point their best of the season. Okay, see, this is, this is perfect. This is actually, this does make a lot of sense to me. Look, okay, for anyone who doesn't know, Mercury retrograde is a time when the planet Mercury is, like, looks as if it's moving through our sky backwards. Um, You know, basically, that's it. (laughs) In astrology, the planet Mercury is the planet believed to rule communication and travel. And retrogrades are a time when, you know, the, the things that a planet rules might get a little like screwy in your life. So Venus retrograde, Venus is a planet that is believed to have, you know, powers over love. Your love might, your love life might get a little like funky during a Venus retrograde. You might have like an ex reaching out to you. Mercury retrograde um, always fucks up my travel and always creates these weird, you know, um, like miscommunications that you have to like double down on. And so because of these things, a lot of people have experiences like this during Mercury retrograde and Mercury retrograde gets a really bad rap because everyone thinks it's like, you're going to get into like bad conflict. You're going to be misunderstood. The advice is always don't travel and don't sign contracts um, during Mercury retrograde. Oh no, poor Um, Wilmer Flores. (laughs) I know, poor Wilmer Flores. Um, in reality, I think the way to like approach, you know, all of astrology is a way for us to like look at ourselves through a different lens and think about things from a different perspective. And I do think Allison's theory of like, we're living on this simulation. So some of these things that do actually affect our lives is very real. (laughs) Um, but you know, the advice is often like, be thoughtful about these things, like come with purpose to what you're doing, like communicate like thoughtfully and also give yourself a lot of time to arrive at the airport when you're traveling and check the airport before you go to it to make sure that you're going to the right one. That happened to me once last year during Mercury retrograde. Um, so this still to say, I think that there is something to this theory, Jesse, that like, Clearly, the Mets have a bit of, um, you know, travel issues, um, you know, a little bit of communication chaos. Maybe they're out of rhythm with each other or with themselves. Threw away off tonight. That doesn't really happen. But ultimately, this can be a clarifying moment for this team. Like it is, it is a time that is ultimately going to give them a runway to. They're very likely playoff appearances. And um, interestingly, the season was actually set to end on the day that Mercury Retrograde ends. But because of the fucking lockout, we will have the last three days of the regular season 
back with Mercury going in the right direction. Um, but I think that's after they play Atlanta. So yeah, the Atlanta series is the. <laughs> it might be too late. Second to last series. Now, wasn't there also a full moon recently too? There was a full moon on Saturday. Yeah. So maybe the, like the vibes are just all thrown off. The last day of Mercury retrograde is the last day that the Mets play the Braves. So it'll have started to soften a bit by then. I think that the the other question here is that why does this shit all like everything else, um, Julio Rodriguez accepted, not affect Atlanta? <laughs> Dude, I just hate. Like, I don't understand. I do think that that's like the fundamental thing, right? Like, like what the fuck is happening with Atlanta? Like, they don't lose although i think they might be losing right now not to drink so they are in fact losing right now they are down two runs bottom of the third yeah they're often losing and then like they'll score fucking five runs against paul seawald or some shit and seriously there but for the grace of julio rodriguez go we um (laughs) i'm glad that he signed in seattle for a long time because that is like the opposite of the mets he cannot hurt us there um, and by us, I mean like the collective, all of us, nobody on, on the Seattle Mariners is capable of hurting anybody because Ken Griffey Jr. did that when I was 14 and it, it's the entirety of that franchise's capability of doling out pain. So that's that, that, and me never getting his fucking rookie card. You know how many packs of 89 upper deck I bought in my life starting in 1989 and never got that card. I wow. am furious about it. What's your estimate? Gotta be over a hundred. Wow. Yeah. You would think. How much money did you did that set you back? A lot. Um, I and really more money um, proportional to earnings than than actual the dollar figure itself would be because eight-year-old me in 1989 was like that's where the money was going like that's the entirety of your income going to cards (laughs) yeah i might as well have been getting paid in packs of baseball cards like that is no longer entirely the case i i also spend money on drugs Can I get the real take that I was working up about this game that is like, like, I like astrology. I used to be very into astrology. And then I started to realize that astrology is largely, in my feeling, a fun little thing that a lot of people use to overlay a sense of control on a world that is completely uncontrollable, myself largely included there. Um, My take is basically that like, this game actually had me thinking about like, what I really love about baseball. And I've been thinking about this a lot because of the rule changes, um, which in my opinion, fucking suck. Um, like, and I don't like, I-, I talked about this a little bit with some of the folks in the discord. Like I am not against rule changes in baseball. Like baseball itself has changed so much over the last like two decades that it only makes sense that there should be rule changes to, re- to like reflect a changing game. But 
all of these rule changes seem designed to basically put us out of the like apparent misery of having to consume baseball. And that annoys me because I actually really like watching baseball and I have no real issue with like, you know, pickoff attempts and like the defensive shift, uh, an innovative strategy that has made the game fascinating if you're paying attention. And you know, I, I get at, I'm really just like kind of on one here. Sorry, I just like started going, but go. I go on. I also get asked a lot by people who aren't really big baseball fans, like, why are there so many games? There's too many games. It's all stupid. I'm sure you guys have heard this one. And like, I often am like, yeah, like that's the point. Like, I like that there's a game every day. Like, I like that I turn on the Mets every night and they're consistently there. And the thing about games like this and, like, this stupid loss that they, like, where they're, like, embarrassing themselves and, like, looking like the Mets we all, like, hate to see again is that, like, we only learn through contrast. And, like, the baseball, like, the thing that makes baseball special is the fact that your fortune can turn at any moment. And, like... The, like, consistency of turning on the, like, game every night and the, like, drudgery of games like this is, like, why special games can feel special. Because they are, like, because we do, like, sit down in this, like, endurance sport of Mets fandom. (laughs) And, like, we watch the bad ones and we're, like, disappointed by them. And, like, like, you cannot have one without the other. And... That is my long rant about, like, why I I hate games like this, but that, like, they're so integral to the, like, overall narrative that I come back to on this podcast constantly of, like, this season has a little bit of just, like, underlying magic that you, that I feel even in these moments and that magic, a lot of the time, I think is, like, the Mets are going to fucking win the World Series. <laughs> And also that magic is like, oh, like we get to like live a baseball season and like ride this ride with them. And I guess that's why I'm grateful for stupid losses. (laughs) Yeah, I I think a a lot of the stupid losses just kind of make you appreciate uh, the really magical wins and the really magical like come from behind wins. Which uh, so, so over the weekend, the White Sox took two, uh, three out of four from Oakland, which is unheard of because they're usually fucking horseshit in Oakland. <laughs> and not only were those wins in Oakland, but they were also come from behind wins, which apparently Tony Larusa does not like. Uh, so it's just I, I will never forget this, this great weekend series, just mainly because. Uh, the White Sox have just played just like complete horseshit all year, but they're finally showing these signs of life, uh, perhaps related to the absence of Tony Larusa, perhaps not. Uh, I, won't I, I was going to ask, that. what is the possibility that the, that the White Sox are doing this for spite? Uh, uh, I don't like, what, what to spite me or to spite like, no, a, spite Tony. Oh, to spite Tony. Oh, uh, I mean, the, 
he's definitely just more of an organization man and company man for sure. Uh, So I'm not exactly sure um, if anyone's being spited here, uh, but I did notice that uh, the White Sox were very clear in in mentioning that it was uh, the doctors that cleared him to return. It was not the team uh, themselves. So uh, I don't know if maybe they just like pumped him full of formaldehyde in order to like just give him the ability to speak to the public or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think at this point, uh, I mean, he's got another fucking year left on his contract or whatever. Like the, the, the thing is that like the financials were never really announced. I, I honestly don't know how much money he's making. I, I just know that he has another year left on his contract, which is like fucking weird to begin with. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I also think that they're too much of a prideful organization to fire someone, especially given that Tony was fired back in 1986, which I mean, like 36 fucking years ago, that that is how yeah. just <clears throat> incredibly dated this all is. So I, I feel as if, if if the White Sox are spiting him, they're also like trying to save their own face themselves. Uh, so. Oh, I meant are the players playing better despite him? Oh, oh, like. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is that I do, I do also want to examine the possibility that the White Sox exist simply to spite you, Janice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One thousand percent. I was going to say, I, I'm just obsessed with your projection being like, to spite me? <laughs> me personally? <laughs> I'm like, because you know that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> what this conversation has revealed is that this season has forced me to divorce uh, the White Sox organization versus the White Sox players. To me, those are two very different things altogether. Uh, so yeah. when someone like tells me the White Sox, like I am just imagining just Jerry Reinsdorf <laughs> just being too fucking chicken shit to fire Tony Larusa again uh, after 36 years uh, and just wondering why um, his friend uh, is an absolute horseshit manager. I think I've said horseshit like four or five times on this podcast. Good, I think, I think good that- baseball word. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, I, I, I definitely think that the players themselves, if um, I don't know, if not just the bundles of sage that I light around the stadium and have left to completely cleanse uh, the White Sox, uh, the players, by the way, of, of this incredibly just like negative energy that has surrounded them all, all this year. Um, but I think at this point, um, uh, yeah, the writing is absolutely on the wall. Um, Tony sucks. Everyone pretty much thinks he sucks. Uh, so, so there you have it. I think we do need a, a different way to, you know, have that clarity between whether we're speaking about the players or the the ownership or the organization when we say like the Mets or the White Sox. And I think that like referring to the players by the team like gives them the agency, and that we should call the owners out by their names because they're generally assholes. That's my personal opinion true. right yeah, now. I'm here to discuss this. Let's name names. No, I think I think it's fair. I also think like I, when you said that, Janice, I thought so much of like distinguishing, like you know, the Wilpons and complaining about the Wilpons ownership. Right. Often yeah. felt very different than like actually kind of loving the teams they put on the field a lot of the time. Like they disappointed, but like. You know, and so I like your I like your take there, Jesse, because 
it isn't the Mets so much as like the Will Ponds. And like, I like, uh, I like kind of think the like Uncle Steve memes are fun. And like, I kind of like him as much as you can like, like an owner because he wants to just, you know, give them his money, which is all I ask. But, you know, like I, yeah, yeah, like I try, I try not to like him, and I do certainly think probably a like, horrible person, but he's a great fucking sports owner. Yeah, he's a great sports owner. Like, which cannot like it must be mutually exclusive from being a good person. Yeah, but like a hundred percent, I think like even still, there is something different to me talking about like Steve Cohen and the New York Mets, even though, like, that feel, I'm more willing to sort of, like, be chill with both of them. So I like that distinction. Well, we were saying, too, that as an owner, you, bare minimum, you should be a fan. Like, the Wilpons cared more about the Dodgers, and then they had their whole financial mess. But mm-hmm. at least like the team that you're the owner of, and because that makes that's what makes Steve Coleman, I think, a good owner is because he wants to see his team do well. And that's why you get, you know, also the Tom Seaver statue. You get the old timers day. You get the Keith Hernandez retirement ceremony. He's running it like a fan would. And then now we all collectively get to benefit from that. Uh, And I will say that he, to, to give him one bit of further credit, um, and then stop saying nice things about people with billions of dollars because they certainly did not. <laughs> That's not what we're here to do at this workers' uh, collective. Yeah, but then God, keep no. giving them to the vets. <laughs> um, yeah, no, keep, keep you know pay pay your best workers the maximum amount of money, and by that I am talking about Jacob Degrom and you yes. know what Aaron Judge too. Um, give him ninety nine million dollars. That's fine. Um, let's see what happens this winter. But to like to have somebody who's like actually invested in it, it does run the danger of and and I want to give this is where I want to give him credit is that he hasn't been to date like the meddling like the 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 sports radio call in owner he's been a fan owner, uh, which is good that's what you want but there's there is always that danger of taking it too far, and then you're Jerry Jones. Or James Dolan. Yeah. I don't like to speak his name at all, but yeah. <laughs> Jesse's setting a boundary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't blame you there. <laughs> oh, he's brought me so much, so much personal pain. Me and millions of others. That's that is really so the Wilpons too. Like the amount of emotional pain that is directly attributable to the shitty decision making, behavior, stewardship, and everything of these of, of a bad sports owner is like it, it that's there's a that's part of why it's a public trust, because for better or for worse, um morons like us idiots like us have um invested ourselves and i was somehow able to pull myself out of an emotional attachment to it for several years and now i'm back um torture ourselves with this shit that's not good there are therapists who are like 
putting their kids through college on the Mets, <laughs> on the Wilpons. <laughs> well, and that's why I kind of feel bad. Like, we got out. Like, we got a good owner now. But now I look at, like, the Rockies... The, oh, you know, the Angels are now Art Moreno's thinking of selling. Like, there's no hope there. And, like, I feel I feel bad for them. Like, what are you, what are you rooting for as a, as a fan? Like, having one bad owner, like, you're, you're doomed for, for as ever long as the old bastard lives. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or, or you're a Yankees fan, and it's not just however old, however long the old bastard lives. It's however long the old bastard's kid lives. Oh. Tough shit, England. You're stuck I mean, with Charles now. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, Tom? Yeah, oh God. <laughs> I give him 10 years tops. <laughs> oh, dude, that's the first thing I said to my boyfriend. I was like, you know, it's really going to be like such, you know, it's going to be like such, like, womp, womp, we have to do this again in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do think, Linda, that's so I true. can't believe he like, didn't just pull the Carlos Beltran though, and just be like, no, I'm out. Give it over to, give it over to Will. Just, 100%. I guess he wanted to be in the history book, I don't know. Get his face on some I mean, money. Yeah, like he's kept himself out of it so far. Well, it's, it's not like you really have to do anything when you're king, right? Like I don't, I don't even know what it yeah. does. You, you, you show up at stuff and like move one like, space at a time. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we got chess jokes, folks. <laughs> you know, it's like the thing. A hundred percent. Like I hit a point. The reason I am able to feel hopeful about the Mets is fundamentally and like this is kind of a shitty feeling but I really know that it is because I believe that this team has been you know given them basically the just the fucking money that they need to put a great team on the field and like that was always our complaint about the Mets right like the Wilpons didn't treat them like the like the giant New York City fucking market team that they are. And that led me, and I know many of you, to total hopelessness because that is the hopeless feeling. Like, it just, and, and like the Rockies don't even need to be, you know, like it doesn't have to be in New York. Like, you can be whatever sort of wherever you are you're it like feels anyway i'm reading moneyball i'm just gonna like stop right now before <laughs> i, I, I really get take, going. take it back for for a second with with the wilpons treating it not like a new york organization um because one thing that they stumbled ass backwards into is their stadium because if they had been treating it like a big ass big time new york ballpark they well, they would have been built a dome and that would have kicked ass and would have been better than what we have. But what we have is a top rate outdoor ballpark um, that was built in part because I, the, the Ebbets Field touches and whatever is part of their Dodger um, obsession. But they would have built a much, much bigger stadium if they were bigger thinkers. And the fact that you only have like a 40,000, 45,000 seat stadium um, in New York is just a, a little stroke of luck out of that. And that segues us into what I 
should have talked about at the top of the show and brought us into at the top of the show, which is what will be um, at that ballpark, City Field, this Sunday, which is Linda's thing to talk about. So I will let her do that. <laughs> Go ahead. It is our fourth annual uh, Dollars for Dingers um, get together. And we're actually getting it. We are having it at City on Saturday. I don't I forget. The 17th. Did I say Sunday? Yes. So it's I'm the sorry. 17th, yes. Um, it's whatever the Gary Bobblehead night is. Um, Saturday. Yes. Um, Saturday. So Don't listen to Jesse. Saturday. <laughs> we're having it at Ebbs, which is the, used to be McKellar at City Field, and now it's Ebbs at City Field. Um, and they actually did a really good job of um, hooking us up. They're giving us, like, half-price drinks and food specials and stuff. So they, they were, they've been really good to, to work with. And so if the Mets would hit dingers, we could raise more money for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, but I think Lindor's got us up to 14. So and people have been going, their pledges have been insane. Like everybody decided to come up with the most insane. Ple- oh, we got uh, Trevor Hildenbarger, our old friend Trevor. He pledged and he's pledging for every Trevor strikeout. So every time Trevor Williams strikes somebody out or Trevor May strikes somebody out, we get extra money from that, which I thought was delightful. That's um, awesome. so this, you know, we've in the national domestic violence hotline has been such a great partner to work with. And we've really built on that relationship over the past four years too. And, um, they, they've even invited us to hear like where the money goes to. And, um, so that's actually been really very rewarding is that we've been able to build this relationship with them. And, um, our first year was like the most magical year. It was 2019 was the first year we did it. The Mets hit 50 home runs in the month of September, capped off by Pete Alonso's um, home run record. Um, and then Dom Smith's walk-off home run on the last day of the season got us to 50. And it was just, it was so magical. And then, you know, it was a, we came up with it because we're like, oh, the bets are always bad in September. So this will help us give us a reason. <laughs> we picked September so that way it would give us a reason to stay invested in the in the season and to, you know, root for dingers when there's, you know, not much else to root for. Um So, yeah, so that's – and we do have autographed baseballs. The Mets came through with autographed baseballs that we're raffling off online. So, if you want, we have Pete Baseball. We have a Lindor autographed baseball. Athlete Logos came through. Um, He's donating um, one of his um, neon signs. Um, We have Funkos. We have Bobbles. We have a beautiful, gorgeous Willits Pen mug. (laughs) Like, I was talking to Allison, and she said it's like a Target. We have decor. We have apparel. We have have mugs. So anything you could possibly want, we have um, for for prizes. So if you're available on Saturday at 4 o'clock, we'll be at Ebbs at City Field. And then we're we we all bought tickets, so we'll be at the game uh, afterwards, um, which is again Gary Bobblehead night. So we'll all get bobbles on top of it, which is which is pretty cool. So um, 
So yeah. I'm having like massive FOMO over here because I would love to attend. Uh, is there a way to attend virtually or would I be able to like contribute somehow? Or? We did. We did a virtual I can FaceTime you from there. In 2020, um, we did virtual. So I'll, I'll talk to them and see if maybe, I know we do a live podcast usually that day too. So maybe we can do something like that with a, like a live um, with a live podcast or something, but yeah, I'll definitely share share that with the others and see if we can. Because we do usually bring our, all of our equipment with us, so I think it would probably be possible. I would love. I, I was going to literally ask the same thing. I want to know the same. I want to be a part of it from DC. So this is so neat that you guys are doing this. I love that you guys have done it, and you know, so many years in a row. And it sounds like it's just been such a wonderful success. So I am so jealous. I don't get to be there. You guys have to go for Janice and I. Yeah, <laughs> well, I will. I will be there, <laughs> and I will. I will bring some sort of. Perhaps I will bring this laptop uh, <laughs> once again to and and just like fire up a Zencaster room. Um, so, hey guys, there you go. And then people can just uh, come over and say hi. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. We'll see. We'll talk about it. We have lots to talk about. We've talked a lot already. Uh, this has been Will It's Pod 18, and we'll just call it a night there. So uh, the Mets were garbage, but we were not. So, yeah. Yay us. Yay us. Yay. <laughs> and yay you for listening and subscribing and rating and reviewing and all that stuff. But uh, you're all wonderful human beings who have stuck it out with us for, for the last four minutes. So thanks a lot and we'll see you next time. Good night.